thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. You see, Satan is a paper lion. Formidable foe, but a paper lion. You see, Jesus conquered sin and death. Death, where is thy sting, Paul said. He conquered it on the cross. He's victorious. He conquered sin and death. You don't have to fear death because you're going, as a follower, to be in the presence of the living God. So that doesn't hang over our heads anymore. And the, the nature that used to live within us, the sin nature that's there, but now God's spirit is dominant in our lives. That's what's supposed to happen when we, we get inverted and flipped right side up, basically. And we start following the Lord. What happens is, is that dominant force of, of God's presence in our lives is that protection and that keeps us from the enemy would say, oh yeah, well, you know how you are. You want to go do that. But see, there's no control in that anymore. Satan can't control us through that or kind of trying to threaten us, basically, you know, to do things or be certain ways. We don't have to respond to that. We have no obligation to respond to that anymore. It's a powerful, powerful truth. He has a mission. It's to rob, to kill, and to destroy. Now, inside of that mission, he uses a specific MO, and his MO has not changed for, if we want to use the biblical account, which I would prefer to use, if you want to use a billion-year account, I don't care. But according to the Bible, roughly 6,000 years account of his exact M.O. And it, brothers and sisters, it has not changed. How he does this has not changed. And so when I'm saying stay engaged in the battle, this is what I'm talking about. Stay in it. In a sense, you are in it. And David was in it, even though he didn't know he was in it, except he just thought he was going to kick back because he deserved to kick back. And in so kicking back, he got taken out to some extent. So staying engaged is really, really important. First John. Well, let's, let's just go to Genesis first. Let's, let's just do it in a good time fashion here. Genesis chapter 3. I love it. At the very beginning of the Bible, this, this MO was set forth. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So when the woman saw in verse 6 of chapter 3 that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave her to her husband, and he ate. The eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? He said, I, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not, that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. 
And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The reality is, is that this key MO happens today the same as it did with humanity 6,000 years ago, whatever account you want to use. But the reality is, is that that is how this, the enemy operates. The lust of the eyes, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All three of those things, are that, that, those are the tools that he uses. But what's interesting to me is in this first account, Satan does the same thing. And, and it's important for us to notice what happened that led to this because Satan comes and begins to tell Eve that basically the, the tree that God told them not to eat of begins to, he begins to supplant doubt about what God said. God said, the day that you eat of that, you will surely die. The day that you eat of that, you will surely die. Remember, man was created to be a being that just kind of coexisted with God and was an eternal being in that sense. That, that's the reality of it. And there was just this constant communion and fellowship with God. God puts the tree in the midst of the garden and says, in order for the love to be, the relationship to be genuine, there has to be something there that there had to be the, the choice had to be it come into existence. And so there was the choice. Do I, do I stay doing what God wants me to do or do I do what I want to do? And it's interesting to me that why God didn't want them to eat of that tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. Because ultimately then, now they think by having that information of the knowledge of good and evil that they can be independent and don't need God. And isn't that exactly what's happened in our world today? People are independent and feel like they, they don't need God. And God was trying to prevent that from happening. You know, not that they would, oh, have all this information like God does, and then now it's, you know, no, that was the deception. No, that wasn't, that was a horrible end result of it. But Satan began to pervert this situation. It was more cunning than any beast in the field in verse 1 of chapter 3. And God made, which God had made in the field. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Didn't God say you can eat of any of the trees in the garden? So there's this perversion of the word. God spoke his word, but then there's Satan perverts the word. And the woman said to the serpent, well, we made of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, puts in question God's word. Listen, brothers and sisters, again, the MO has not changed he wants to put in question today, sure as we sit here spending time going through God's word, that he wants to put in question God's word. Is this really true? What I'm talking about, is this even really true? If it is true, 
Man, we should be the most vigilant people on the face of this earth, and we should be doing all we can to point people to the one true living God because we believe that this is the end result, that we're either following God, we have everlasting life, or we're not, and we're destined for hell. Because that's what the Bible teaches. We can cover that up and say Hades or some other terms or whatever you guys want to do. But the reality is it's eternal forever separation from light and anything good. Ever and ever and ever. Irreversible forever. I wish that for no person on the face of this earth. That's the reality. That's what weighs in the balance of this. But the decision weighs in the balance of it too. Am I going to decide to follow God? Or am I going to believe the, the lies of the, of the enemy that pervert the word? And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, puts question, for you know that in the day that you eat of, the, of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, the deception. The deception wasn't just the information. It was the thought that, man, then they can control their own destiny. That's the lie. That's radical to think through. Began there, doesn't change. Satan uses the same thing with Jesus in Luke's account. Same exact tactic, Luke chapter 4. No, nothing's changed. As he approaches him, uh, remember, as the, he'd gone out into the wilderness to be tested. You remember we talked about temptation and testing are the same word. It's really, the, it's interchangeable in the New Testament. There's, there's no distinction between the two. And this is what I like about that, is the reason is, is because what God wants to use it for, to test, to prove out who he is in your life and my life. He wants to use a trial to prove out. Satan wants to use that same thing to tempt you to fall away, to do something that would be destructive away from God. God wants to use that same trial that same testing to prove out who he is in your life, Satan wants to use it to tempt you to fall away from him, from God. That, that's, the, that's the way that the word kind of plays out, and I, I really like that. I think that's great. And the devil says uh, to, to Jesus, if you are the son of God, or really, since you are the son of God, kind of mocking, since you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Man, the lust of the flesh, man. He's been 40 uh, 40. Days out in the wilderness, and Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Goes on, and the devil taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, All this authority I will give you. Do you notice Jesus doesn't argue that all of that domain is in, in Satan's control? Jesus doesn't argue that. This is what I said. He rules this earth in that sense. Not ultimately, but in a temporary sense. And he did it by what? He, he took it. Remember? By deception. He took, again, Satan took from Adam. The, Adam had control or, or rule over these things in the creation. And he got ripped off by the deception from the enemy. He shows him all this. He, he says, all, all, this, I, all this authority I will give you. And their glory for all this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. Hey, shortcut to the cross. It's all going to be his anyway. It's just a shortcut. The less of the eyes. You can see all of this stuff. You could have all of this. You can take the shortcut on this, and you don't have to go to the cross. 
And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, or since you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. This idea, the pride of life, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. Again, perverting the word. In their hands they shall bear you up, unless you dash a foot. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Basically, jump, show off, prove that you, you know, that you can save yourself, you know, that, that kind of a thing. Again, the pride of life. You know, if you do this, all the people will follow you, you know, just do that. The pride of life. Show off, show, jump, you know. Man, again, it's a perversion of the word. But every time, did you notice what Jesus used? Every time, and some of us have been through this a few times before. Man, Jesus uses the word, the written word, and stands upon it. Every time he goes back to the word and he reiterates the same thing. It's important in your warfare, in my warfare, in dealing with the enemy, the victory comes through the word of God, standing on trusting in the living word of God. Nothing else. It doesn't matter what man or anybody says, we trust God and we trust his word. That's important in a day and age in which we live that that is not the common thing. So we had the, this at the very beginning with Eve, the beginning in which applies to all humanity. God gave them his word and then Satan perverted the word and then it deceived Eve. It ended up deceiving, deceiving Adam and Eve, ultimately. And there's the fall. Then, as Jesus is there, Satan used the exact same MO through the pride of life, lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. He used those same three things. Same three things took place. In 1 John, we see the same thing again. So we see... Early humanity, which brought the, this brought the fall. Then we also end up seeing Jesus himself, the Son of God, Satan trying to tempt Jesus that same way through those same things, not with success, but used, tried to do the same thing. And then now we see with the church, John warns the church in verse 15 of chapter 2 of 1 John, do not love the world or the things in the world. Verse 15, chapter 2 of 1 John. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. It's the same tactics today for the are warring against the church, against a believer's life to try and deceive us. The same practice the enemy uses. You remember we talked about Demas and how Demas ultimately kind of slipped, slipped away and how he had these little mentions. And we've talked about this uh, before, but the, the end result, the consequences of his, his decisions, just like we saw what was happening with 
with David and, and uh, his decisions. Verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, greets you, so as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. So, at the very beginning, Demas gets this great, this is his first mention, and it's an awesome mention. This goes on to the next one. You get Colossians 4.14. That was Philemon 23 and 24. Colossians 4.14 and 2 Timothy 4.10. And ultimately, in Colossians 4.14, it just basically says, Demas says, hey. That's basically what it says. It's just, yeah, Demas says, hey. But then, man, 2 Timothy 4.10, yeah, Demas has forsaken me. That's just the reality. You don't wake up one day and just go, I'm just going to forsake the Lord. I'm going to forsake fellowship with other believers. I'm just going to forsake them. I'm just going to walk with you. You don't wake up one day. The beginning of it is chapter 11, verse 1. That's the beginning of it in 2 Samuel. You wake up and you decide, I deserve to break, man. I just need to kick back, take it easy. I've been fighting. I've been engaged in these battles for years now, man. I just, I, I'm just going to cruise, you know, as a Christian. I need a break. That's the beginning of the drifting process. Because from there, sin is knocking right at the door, ready to take you out. And man, very few people come back the way David did. Very few people come back the way he did. I think uh, in Acts 2.42, which we use as something we talk about fairly often, the, the keys, because we have to end up on a positive note. This is sobering stuff, but I think it's so important because, and you know what, you guys? If you believe that this can't happen to you, if that's what you think, you're already well on your way. If you're thinking, gosh, I'm glad he's talking about this because I know a lot of people need to hear about it. I'm glad it doesn't work apply to me, but, oh, man, you're already, you're in trouble. Seriously, you're in deep, deep trouble already because pride of life's already got a hold of you. It's so subtle. It, Satan then come up and just kind of like toy with you and slap you in the face and kind of, you know, oh, no way, man. It's very subtle. He talks you into all this stuff. I mean, it is just, it's crazy. We have to be on our guard. And one of the ways we do that is Acts 2.42. Prayer was the key. Fellowship, the word of God, and the breaking of bread, communion together. Communion, stay in fellowship with other believers, Staying in the word and staying in prayer. Good fellowship with the Lord. Those four keys will keep you from that kind of stuff. That's staying engaged in the battle. Because just making it, just making it here is tough. It's, it's, It's not easy. There's so many things that are distractive. So many other things that are important. Really. It's not because I think you need to hear what I have to say necessarily. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about being together as believers, being engaged in the battle together, and hearing from the Lord together, and praying and seeking God's guidance and direction. We, we need each other. But if someone's over here and they need some help, well, we'll go help them. Someone's over here and they, well, we'll go help them. That's what we just learned about tonight. That only happens if you're around and engaged and connected. <laughs> you know, we don't know where you are other than that, you know. If we're not engaged and in fellowship and connected together, those four things are very important. In Jude 20 and 21, keeping ourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. 
I love an idea of keeping our contact with the world as light as possible. Really, really important. Keep your contact as light as possible. You know, the battle rages on. I, I, I don't need to tell you that. I, don't, I, I know you know it, but the key is stay engaged in it. Be in prayer. Be seeking the Lord. Stay connected. Stay committed to the things of the Lord. God wants to use people that want to be used and know what it means to commit. God wants to know our hearts. God wants to know that we're committed to him, committed to what he wants to do, and that we're really willing to be in subjection, the lordship of Jesus Christ. But the thought of, I can't commit to that, but yet we think God should commit all kinds of things to us. It's kind of an interesting thing to work through, think through, contemplate that stuff, because God wants to use you. God wants to do a work in and through your life. And I really believe that moving in and working with the body of believers is part of how that flows. People want to fly in and just have this little portion of, because then they can say, well, I go to church here. I go, so they have an identification somewhere, but they do, they're not connected to that community of believers. They're not serving in that community of believers. There's no, the danger is this, brothers and sisters, there's no accountability in that. There's no commitment in that. God wants us to be committed, committed to him, committed to one another, committed to what God's doing. God wants to do a great work. I really believe that. These last days, I think God wants to move, but he's looking for people that want to be used and are willing to be committed to his purpose and his plan. We know how the enemy moves. We know how he can distract us. Be aware. We're warned. We see it in the word. Let's walk in the knowledge that we have. It's, it's powerful tools that you've been entrusted with. And I'm telling you, if you pray through this and think through this, what you've been entrusted with can radically transform your Christian experience if you'll simply apply these simple truths. Father, tonight we just commit our lives in a fresh way to you and ask, Lord, that you keep us from being distracted. Lord, we want to just be yielded to you, to your purpose and your plan. Thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here tonight. I ask that you'd encourage them, strengthen them, May they walk out just in the, the, the power of your spirit and the knowledge of your word, Lord, and growing in grace. Lord, we thank you for that unmerited love and favor that you've shown toward us. Lord, we do thank you that you're, even in what we know as the Lord's Prayer, it says, keep us from the evil one. Man, that's our desire, Lord, to be kept. Kept in you, kept in your hand. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening today. And I know that some of you may have a tug on your heart that the Lord's just kind of speaking to you personally and that you'd like to give your life to Jesus or maybe like to give your life back to Jesus. Well, this is your opportunity. This is your time. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus desires to have fellowship, personal relationship with us. And so he stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. He loves us. He doesn't force entrance into our lives, but he wants you to open the door and invite him in.
And so I wanna give you an opportunity right now just to pray a simple prayer of faith. Again, it doesn't matter whether you're driving or you're sitting at home or you're out on a walk with your earbuds in, whatever it might be, but this is your opportunity to give your life and get back to Jesus or give it to Jesus that you might have everlasting life. He wants to spend all eternity with you and he wants you to have life abundant. So if you would just pray this simple prayer with me, Jesus, I wanna invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. I wanna ask that you would forgive me of all of my sin And I pray, Lord, that you would just take my sin and my old life and just give me a new life in you. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. I thank you for the new life that I have in you now. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come into my life and fill me to overflowing, that I might accomplish your purpose, Lord, that your will would be done now in and through my life. I give my life to you. I thank you for the new life I have. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Foundation.